If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by NFL Network Features producer and director, India Wright. India talks about advocating for yourself, the keys to great storytelling, how we can create more opportunities for women in the sports industry, and so much more. This is a fantastic episode, so subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. India, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I have been so excited to have you on and talk about all the incredible work you do. So I'm going to have you jump on in and really take us through your professional journey that brought you to the NFL Network. Oh, God, that's uh, that could take a while. So I'll do kind of the short version, but... I grew up with a single mother who loved football, actually. So I actually learned the game of football from my mom. And honestly, it was one day I was watching football, doing my homework on a Sunday. And this woman who had blonde hair and kind of looked like me um, came on the TV screen. And I was like, oh, I want to do that one day. Um, And that was actually Melissa Stark. And, you know, Fast forward 19 years later, um, here I am working with Melissa Stark. I obviously took a little bit of different route than on air and sports television. I am a producer director in sports television, but it was really that moment. And honestly, looking back on it, it was honestly that representation of seeing someone that looked like me doing it that I was like, oh, I can do that too. So I went off to USC, went and got a you know degree in sports journalism and broadcast. And like I mentioned, thought I wanted to be on air because honestly, even back then, which wasn't that long ago, I thought the only space really for a woman in sports was in front of the camera. I was fortunate enough, though, to get a job with Spectrum Sportsnet doing backstage Dodgers and backstage Lakers. And it was there that I got to learn the art of storytelling and while it's a regional network in LA, it's still covering two of the biggest franchises in their respected sports and the Dodgers and Lakers. And so I was able to learn how to tell a story because the environment was much slower paced than it is at NFL. And I had an amazing mentor that, you know, kind of took me through the fundamental fundamentals of, you know, what it takes to tell a really good story. And so that's where I got to learn the art of storytelling in sports. And I just fell in love with it. And I just am a big believer of passion and following your passion. And I'm just so fortunate that, you know, I went to spectrum 
while, you know, sending my reel out to local markets, still thinking I wanted to be on air. Meanwhile, I was learning, you know, how to tell sports stories and realizing this was where my passion was. And so I stopped sending my reel out and, you know, realized I was going to pursue storytelling within sports. And then from there, not shortly after I left Spectrum Sportsnet, I got an opportunity to work on a show out of house for NFL network called game changers with Steve Mariucci. And that's how I met my now boss, uh, Dallas Hitchcock at the original content team at NFL. And I just was like, Hey, you know, if you have anything available, I'd love to work in house for you guys. And so that was back in 2016. And I was able to get on with the original content team and, you know, I've been there seven seasons now. My first three were freelance. So seven months on five months off. And I got to work for Snapchat and the world cup and do a docu-series. So it allowed me the opportunity to do other work within sports. And then a full-time position came about within that team. And I realized after, you know, working in a multitude of spaces and areas within sports, I realized this was the team I wanted to commit to. So I've been the full-time for four years and, our storytelling has evolved so much. The creation of NFL 360 was born while I was there. And to be part of that and have an influence, especially as a female storyteller, to have an influence on what NFL 360 would become and what those stories would look like, um, it has been so empowering. And we have a NFL 360 Women in Football episode that I've been able to champion the last four years. And honestly, I never thought when I got to the NFL as a female storyteller that I would be able to tell stories about women in football. And here we are. We we're just nominated for our fourth year in a row for our NFL 360 Women in Football episode. So very proud of that. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the final four in the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use your promo code believe B L E A V to receive your bonus. Betonline.ag where the game starts. That is fantastic. That is that is really really cool. So I, I want to go back a little bit and nice. talk a little bit deeper about storytelling because this podcast is for women who are in the sports industry, who are interested in the sports industry, young women coming up in the industry, time, trying to find their place. So I want to talk about storytelling and you mentioned Snapchat. And so <laughs> I'd love to talk a little bit about when you're telling a story, you know, it's such a short format to what you're doing now, what, no matter how long they are, what are the key points for you for your stories? to really help them come alive. It starts honestly, as silly as it sounds with it being a good story. Um, a lot of times I think, especially nowadays, there's just so much content out there, whatever platform it may be. And, you know, people have good ways of shooting things. So they look pretty or all, you know, graphics and all these things. But at the end of the day, it's the story. Is it a good story? And what makes for a good story, whether, you know, it's 60 seconds yeah, on Snapchat or it's an hour long documentary, you know? So for me, it starts with finding a good story. And honestly, it starts with research. And it's like in our, in your research, 
as you find, you know, these stories, it's like, does it have layers, you know, stories, stories that keep people interested, they ebb and flow. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, starts with research, then it's like, does it have layers? And then we kind of look at it, like, does it have a big third act? Like, can Mm -hmm. you end it in a big way, whether that's inspirational or, you know, the legacy and, you know, passing the torch to the young man or woman, you know, that is watching this. And so it starts with research, but it starts, yeah, it's like, not getting away from what your job is and that's telling stories, you know? So once you find a really good story that has the layers can ebb and flow, you can, you know, end it in a strong emotional and powerful way, you know, that hopefully educates and inspires. And then it's like, once you have that, it's like, now how do you make it come alive? You know? And then it's all the fun stuff. It's who are the voices? How are you going to shoot it visually? And then when you get into the edit, it's like, how are you going to take all these amazing things? It's like cooking, you know, you have all these ingredients. How do you bring this story, you know, that you've, you know, sought out to tell, how do you tell it in the most powerful way? But it does start at the court starts. Is it a good story? And honestly, the more and more I watch different types of content, no matter short or long form, it's like, you kind of like, Oh, it was shot really pretty, but what was the story? Was it a good story? You know? And I think storytellers, you know, our job is to tell the story has to be there. And it starts with being authentic to the story too. There's been so many amazing, you know, things that I've come across. I'm like, Oh, this sounds like a great story. And then you get deeper into the research or you meet, you know, who the story is about. And they're like, that's not really my story. And you never want to force someone's, you know, if it's not their story, you're not supposed to force it. So the authenticity of a good story is also equally important, but it starts with, is it a good story? Have you ever started working on a story that felt like a good story? And then as you got into it, it wasn't so great after all. Oh, it happens all the, yeah, it happens all the time. I think definitely in our space to, you know, we, ha- I mean, in the NFL, there are only 32 teams. There are only so many players. And honestly, a lot of these guys, if they've had, you know, adversity or in- anything interesting about them happen, they've been, it's been told, you know? And I think a lot of times people go out and try to make their stories bigger than they really are. And so, you know, we kind of fall into like, Oh, that sounds like a good story. And then, you know, we get to talking and they're like, yeah, I mean, I love to, you know, volunteer or the homelessness is important to me, but they're not really doing anything in that space, you know, or they don't really have a tie to it. And so it's like, oh, well, this isn't, we're not, this isn't a fluff piece. So there's been many times where it's like, we thought we had, you know, meat on the bone and then we get to talking and we're like, oh, it's not actually there. It's not true to who this player is because our job as storytellers at the NFL is like, we're telling the story through the NFL player, you know, it's Mm -hmm. first person. So we can't make up a story about this player if it's not true, you know, so, and we're not going to, so, but it happens all the time. And the other side of that is, you know, there are times when, you know, I've been asked to tell stories that I don't believe in honestly, and I won't tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, if they can't be told the way they need to be told, Um, you know, it's those hard conversations you have to have with your bosses who are like, yeah, let's do this. And I'm like, if we can't tell it a complete, a complete story, tell it the right way. I, I don't want my name attached to it. Cause once my name's attached to it, you know, it's like, I'm, 
if it's going to be attached to my name, I have to believe in it. And a good example is that is sexual harassment. There have been, you know, there's a story that I've been wanting to do for two, three years, you know, on this woman, Brenda Tracy. And it's like, we just can't seem to get on the same page of what it really is going to look like, you know, because obviously it's such a sensitive subject. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, why don't we tell part of it and this and that? And I'm like, I'm not doing it unless we can tell the whole story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are just conversations that, you know, can be uncomfortable to have with your bosses or, you know, your superiors. But as storytellers too, we have a responsibility. I believe that we have a a responsibility to, you know, if someone's entrusting us with their story, that we're going to tell the complete story and an honest story. Um, And so I think that's equally important is understanding your responsibility as a storyteller. And when it comes to those difficult conversations, how over time have you learned to navigate those and and what kind of of advice is the right word or tips, but would you have for young people and especially young women, because no matter what, it's harder for us as women to have these conversations uh, oftentimes. So kind of what, what advice or tips would you give for broaching those? Well, yeah, one of your questions in your, your questionnaire was, you know, kind of what have you seen women do early on, you know, in their career? I think even all of us women, it's like you see this passiveness, you know, there's, there is this element of being passive, you know, when women come into this space, especially in sports, um, where it's heavily male dominated, where, you know, they don't feel maybe they have earned the opportunity or, you know, or they're not qualified to be there. And so there is this element of being passive that I see a lot. And what I've learned over time is the importance of advocating for yourself. You need to advocate for yourself. And even when you have the best bosses and a strong support system, which honestly I've been very fortunate to have, you still need to advocate for yourself. No one else is going to advocate for you like you will. And so I think as a woman, that is so important. And when you advocate for yourself, it starts with having a strong backbone. And Mm -hmm. that's a huge thing that I really speak to young women as well as figure out what your backbone is, you know, and that comes with figuring out who you are. And I think when, you know, of course, when you're in your early twenties, just in general, you're figuring out who are you, you know, what do you believe in and whether you, how you were raised as part of that, or you thought you believed in something you don't, but that's why your twenties are meant to be explored. And you need to figure out what, what is your foundation? What are your pillars that you stand on? And what do you believe in? Cause that constructs your backbone and every person, but definitely every female needs to have a strong backbone. And it does not mean you need to be loud and like aggressive. You know, you can do it authentic to who you are, you -hmm. need to have a backbone because it's going to be challenged time and time again, um, in this industry and having those harder conversations become easier because if you're having them, you know, in beliefs to your foundation and what you believe in, you're at peace. You know, if, you know, your bosses don't agree, you know, or God forbid something happens because you stood on what you believed in and it allows it to be a little bit more easy, I think, to navigate because that's true to your core, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's excellent. Very, very well said and excellent advice. And the advocating for yourself part is very difficult and it takes us a lot of time to get there. I think oftentimes it can be some trial and error and figuring out what's right. But I think that's true in this profession and any profession, but it's, it's just so important because no one else be as good an advocate for you as you are. Yeah. Have you had an experience? I'll flip the table. Have you had an experience where you've had to advocate for yourself? You know, I, 
Yes. And what comes to mind immediately, or I guess kind of a little bit of what you said of how lucky you were to have so many bosses. Like I'm a, I'm a beat reporter for a NFL team. When I went to cover the 49ers, I never had covered an NFL or any professional sports team at that point. And my, at the time I was a 49ers fan girl and I'd started this company and we've really evolved. And I think we took the word fangirl and turned it into a positive. I say all that to say, you know, my first season, I was pretty quiet because mm-hmm. I was a little, not, I wouldn't say I was scared, but a little bit nervous. I had never done this before. And I think there is something to be said for listening and, yeah. and kind of figuring out the room and, and learning and all of that kind of things. But as time went on, obviously I got better about it, but I would say even in the last couple of years, one of the things I've really worked on is getting my question out because everyone's talking and I'm on, I, I bring up what you say about good bosses because I am on an incredible beat. I'm very lucky. I don't think this is the norm where yeah. we're really supportive of each other. We all like love each other. We hang out on the road. We hang out, out you know, home when we're at home. Like we we're a very close beat. And I, I don't think my understanding is that is not normal throughout every yeah. beat in a professional sports team. Uh, we, I also work for a really great organization. I not work for, I cover a really great organization that is really supportive of women and female entrepreneurs and all of that. But that being said, when it gets to a press conference, there's only so much time and there, everybody's got a question and it's getting them out. And in the beginning, I found that I would have ideas for questions and think they were dumb. And then inevitably the person is, I was going to ask it. I didn't. And the next person would ask my question. I mean, I would say this happened if it happened 10 times, nine out of time, 10 times that happened. So it was getting that confident. And then I've really worked on when I have a question, I just say it. And when someone tries to talk over me too bad, I'm going to still yeah. going. And that has taken some time and that's a tough thing, but that's a place where I feel like I, it's, it's not maybe the traditional advocating for yourself, but instead of stop talking and let the other person go, I just keep going because that's what we're all there for. And that's what everyone's doing. And there's an appropriate way to do it. And obviously there are times where I'm like, no, you go ahead. I'll go next. And we're, again, we're a great beat. But that was something that was really hard for me. And in the, even in the first few seasons, if I started and someone else started at the same time, I'd always just let them go. And yeah. hope that's fine. And that's, you know, that's tough. But uh, it was something I've learned quite a bit. And it happened even the other day at OTAs and I had completely lost my voice. Those of you who listen to this podcast all the time might notice that my voice isn't completely back to normal, but I'd really lost my voice and it was real hard to get my questions in, but I managed to do it and I powered through. And that was a time where I was actually really proud of myself because I'm like this, I could have just been like, well, I don't have a voice. I'll let them go, but no. So it's kind of a different type of advocating, but Again, I think the importance of voice, you know, we talk about voice, you know, as storytellers, like finding your voice, you know, but I think that's important too for women is finding your voice. You know, I think that's what we're all striving to do. And it sounds like in your, you know, in your situation, it's like, you know, you listen first, but you know, as you've navigated your career, it's like you continue to grow confidence in your voice and what that looks like, you know, and I think we're all striving to do that. And our respected professions is like, we want to figure out what our voice is and then use it. I think we, I mean, we all have a voice, you know, and I think we have a responsibility to use it as well. Absolutely. And I think in storytelling, I think another place that I've kind of found my voice more in a figurative sense is 
obviously games are games and practice reports and all of that are what they are, but I do cover the team differently and I cover it from a different perspective. And I focus a lot on off the field stuff and different stories. And I was thinking when you were talking about storytelling, I did something last year on Ray Ray McLeod and his game day fits because they were really kind of outrageous, like in the absolute best way. And there were themes to them and he put so much thought in them and people would talk about them, but I'm like, how has no one done a story on this? And that was a fun story. And it's not a story that probably any of my other colleagues would do, but it was a really fun story. And Ray Ray loved it. And he gave Mm -hmm. me access to like his, his girlfriend. I talked to her for a while. I talked to everybody. And the other thing that was cool is everyone in the locker room wanted to talk about it. There was no one I went up to for that story that wasn't like, oh yeah, I, everyone was like, yeah, I'm down. I want to talk about this for sure. And it was a really fun, cool story. And then there were guys that were like, my game day fits are pretty cool. When's my story? But it's now we have a series. (laughs) Yes. I could now have a game day fit series, which I think I'm going to do this season. Uh, But it's been, you know, finding that perspective that is different than what everybody else does is makes what I do different and comes from a different perspective, but I've learned to embrace that. And it's part of, I think, what makes my coverage unique. And there's something to be said for that. So India, you talked about being at Spectrum Sportsnet, which was, of course, music to my ears because I am a diehard Los Angeles Dodgers fan. But you talked about from being there to sending your reel out to then deciding you wanted to do tell stories and, and be behind the scenes. So if you could just talk a little bit about building relationships in this industry in an authentic way. Oh, yes. I think that is every man or woman getting into really any industry, but especially the sports industry should lead with having genuine relationships. I mean, I think, you know, as well, it's like, this is a very ancestral business. Actually, I've never Mm -hmm. had a boss that hasn't worked with my other boss, or I haven't worked with someone who hasn't worked with someone else I know. And so your reputation means everything. And especially as a woman, I mean, honestly, when I started with the Dodgers, yes, I was straight out of, you know, college from USC. I was what, 22 years old. And the thing that I loved about that job is they allow, you know, backstage Dodgers, it's like a reality show on the team. And so our Mm -hmm. job was literally every home game. I had to be at the stadium. I was in, you know, in the clubhouse at batting practice, watching the whole game up in the press box, post game interviews. And it was my job seriously to be 22 and to be able to be like in those spaces, you know, and following, you know, this major league baseball team. And we had to get very close. Like I said, we were documenting their whole season and in doing so, you know, as a young, young female, and yes, I, you know, have long blonde hair and I do, I like to wear my heels and I, that's always how I've been. And of course, you know, people just assumed that why I was there was to meet a husband or I was sleeping with players, you know, and it mm-hmm. was interesting because at the end of the day, this is, goes back to my earlier point of like figuring out your backbone and your moral compass, because it will be tested. And while I knew I wasn't doing anything and I knew my integrity was good, it still doesn't feel good knowing you're walking into this space, especially as a young female, who's honestly just trying to learn to your, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, like when you start out, you didn't know much, you hadn't done this before. So you just wanted to like be there, be kind of a fly on the wall, honestly, and like listen, learn. And so that way you, you know, could get better. And so here I am, you know, with a world-class franchise, you know, some of the biggest names in major league baseball and I'm 22 and kind of the only thing people kind of thought and looked at me was like, 
what is she doing here? What are, what are her intentions? What are her motives, you know? And God forbid my motive was just to do my effing job. I'm sorry. I'm not mm-hmm. meaning to, you know, but it was just, I wanted, this is what I wanted to do. And I was had such good work ethic and I was, you know, we, you know how long those games are and those days are. It's like, you're at the ballpark for 15, 16 hours and then you're back there the next morning, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, my advice is just like, you're, you know, one, it starts with your, you know, your reputation. And honestly, you know, now I've been in this industry for 10 years almost. And I will say that, you know, and I still walk into places, you know, I still work around professional athletes and a lot of men, and I still walk into meetings and I kind of get looked at like, "Mm, but why is she really here? You know, what is her intention? So I'm going to be honest, it doesn't go away. It just gets a little bit easier to navigate because you know, your intentions. And honestly, at the end of the day, my work speaks for itself, you know, and that's why, your integrity and your reputation, but allowing your, you know, as long as you put your head down and just work hard, no one can take that away from you, man or woman. And then while you go through this process, I have found actually though, more people want to help you. People want to help you. And so it's creating those relationships. I was so surprised because my job before that, I was an intern at ABC seven and I was getting to go to every Dodger game, Laker game on the court in the press box. And I was so surprised at how many interns would just sit in the press box and not talk to anybody, you know, just sit, you know, at batting practice, not talk to anybody. And I'm like, we're here, you know, like you're amongst some of the best in the business, whatever that may be, but you're amongst some of the best in the sports business, meet these people and start those relationships. You don't, and you never want to meet somebody and then ask for something right away. No one likes that, of course. So it's like building those genuine relationships. And honestly, after I got my internship at ABC seven, I have not applied like properly applied for a job since then. And it's been what 10 years now. And it's because it's been my connections and it's been like, I know somebody who knows somebody who like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I'm interested in this. Like, Oh, I know this person. And they've referred me because of my work. And that all stems from those genuine relationships. And at the end of the day, it's just nice, honestly, to have people that you trust to go through this with, as you probably know too. And so I couldn't echo more the importance of when you're in these positions, when you get these opportunities, especially as women, don't be afraid to just introduce yourself. You don't need to, you don't need to talk about anything. You don't even need to, you don't definitely don't need to want anything, but introduce yourself, say your full name, you know, and maybe say what you are, you know, are interested in doing, because like I said, people then want to help and they're more willing to help, but it's like, get their card, follow up on email and just check on them. Or if you, you know, follow their work, like, Hey, I watched your story. And this is what I liked about it. Hey, I read your article. I listened to your podcast. This is what resonated with me. People respect when you also lean into their work and you're interested in what they're doing, you're following along. So it's like, building those relationships. I mean, they just pay dividends. And I can attest to that because my whole career has been based off the genuine relationships I've made since I've been doing this. And that's how I became a B reporter. You know, Mm -hmm. I started, I started my blog many years ago and was introduced to the then head of PR for the 49ers and over email. And then I met him at a Super Bowl party and we talked at that party and I didn't ask for anything. I, I just wanted him to like get to know me. I wanted to get to know him and wanted him to see that this was a very serious thing I was doing. And I looked at it as a business and a career and all of that. And then reached out to him a couple weeks later and just said it was so great to meet him. I had an idea. Could I 
cover all of their community events because they do so much great work in the community and not everyone has room to cover everything. Yes. And could I be kind of their community reporter? And he was so excited about that. And I started doing that. And it was through that, that then later that year, he said, we'd love you to come to training camp. And that was, and then I was credentialed and that was, and that was it. And it was authentically, I love covering that kind of work. My background is in politics and the community, but he could see that that was an authentic thing I wanted to do. And I think it showed him I'm not just here. I didn't just start the blog and like want to meet players. And it was, it was great. And literally with then I was credentialed and it's been that I'm going into eighth season. So it's important. The authenticity of all of it is so important. And you're, you're right, your reputation and your work, your work will always speak for itself and Mm -hmm. no one can take that away from you. Yeah. And I think kind of, you know, at the end of the day, as someone who's now in a position and NFL to hire people, I'm like, you want people that want to work. You want people that want to do that job. So to your point of like, you know, you genuinely started this company, you genuinely, you know, wanted to do this and then you were going to work hard and do a good job. Guess what? It's pretty easy to want to hire that type of person because you know, when you're looking for talent, it takes so much work off our plates when you're like, Oh my God, this person wants to be here is going to put in the work and do a good job. Absolutely. We want you to be part of that team, you know? So I think that's also something people want to, should realize too, is like, if you're willing to work hard and you genuinely want to do it and people see that they, they trust me, if there's a need for you and a place for you, they will find it. That is very, very true. And that, it, and you'd be amazed, and I don't mean you, I mean the universal you yes. would be amazed at the number of people who don't want to work. Exactly. And yes, exactly. I, I worked for the mayor of DC for a number of years and I was in his cabinet during the story I'm about to tell you. So I was like I'm running a city agency and all of that. And I was at an event and he needed tea. And the community person at the event said, my job isn't to get tea. So I went to Starbucks and got him tea. My job also wasn't to get him tea, but you're, I mean, that's life. (laughs) Like it wasn't like that. It wasn't that big a deal. And it was such, it seems like a little thing, but it kind of shows that it's not a little thing. And it's not that he wasn't being respectful of her or me. We were just at an event and he had a sore throat and he needed tea. Yeah. <laughs> like, someone was gonna have to get the tea and there were two of us there yeah so and but it said a lot about the difference in work ethics and that's like your your work ethic let's always always say especially to when it was like if you're willing to work hard and you said it earlier like no one can take away your work and you know we talk about that so much in our women in football episode is that every woman here has earned this it was not given this you know they've earned it and they've earned it through hard work and nothing substitutes hard work. And I think that's something that, you know, should hopefully resonate with, especially women. It's like, if you're willing to put in the work and work hard, I assure you it will happen. You know, it's not going to happen right away. It might not happen in the nature you want to happen, but if you are willing to continue to work hard, I will say it will happen because there's just so many people that aren't willing to put in the work. Like that you're is- lazy. <laughs> you are 100% correct. And it is always amazing to me how many people just don't want to put in the work. A little bit along those lines, how have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in the sports industry? And where do you think we can still improve? I think, you know, like I said earlier, when I was you know, going into college, I thought, you know, that was in 2010, 
10 when I was headed off Mm -hmm. to college. I thought that was the only place for me as a female in sports was in front of the camera, you know? And so that just says a lot, you know, how much, you know, here I am 10, you know, 10, 12 years later. And it's just crazy to see, you know, especially just even at the NFL as someone who now tells stories on all the amazing women doing so many different things in the NFL, you know, like our head of security at NFL is a female. You have coaches that are winning Super Bowl in the NFL that are, that are female, you know, and it's like you have women playing football, whether that's be tackle or flag. And so I think what I've recognized, you know, as, you know, someone who's come up in this space is like one, I've seen that it, it all starts with the women before us. And it's because the women before us, when they got their opportunity, which there were much, much fewer opportunities, they put their head down and they did the, the, they did the work. And they did it enough so they did it good enough where it's like people became a little bit more open to like, oh, they can do this. And so for mm-hmm. me, I think of it, it's like the women that came before us, we have then a responsibility, the women, us women now to, you know, put our head down and do the work. So that way we can continue to create opportunities for the next young woman or the next little girl that wants to do this. And so I've seen like, you know, I look at my mentors and Melissa Stark and even Andrea Kramer. And then, you know, getting to know them over the years and just sharing stories, it's like, it was so different. It was, there was only one spot and honestly, there wasn't even one spot and they had to be more competitive and it was just a different nature. And so I'm so fortunate that when I'm coming up through this industry, like all the women that I came up, I'm coming up with in this industry, we are like, we are a sorority of sisters. We have each other's back. We want to see each other succeed, but we're able to do that because there are genuinely more opportunities for us, you know, so we don't have to take away opportunities. And so I have seen just in my six, seven years at the NFL, I've seen how many different spaces women have continued to go into. I mean, you, I feel like every time I am on social media, there's like, Oh, another female has made history, you know, whether that was Sarah mm-hmm. Thomas or like I said, low locust, you know, winning a super bowl. It's like they're continuing to break barriers. And by doing so, it just allows the next young woman to come through. So I think it starts with the women that came before us when there are a few opportunities that they did the work. So I feel we have a responsibility as women in, in these seats now to do the good work. So that way we can create more opportunities for the next you know, young woman coming through. And to your point of like, where can we improve? I mean, we all know that like the work's never going to stop. I think it'd be naive to think it's ever going to stop. But I think, you know, when you're seeing more and more opportunities come, I think as long as we continue, the young women coming up after us know that the reason they're here is because of the women before them and that they did the work. It, they weren't given these opportunities. They put in the work and that they understand it is a responsibility too. So that way I just feel like it's a generational like legacy effect. And as long as you continue to recognize that you have a responsibility as a female in this industry to make it a little bit better for the woman ap- coming after you. And I think if we continue that tradition, I do think opportunities will continue to grow, but it starts with the women in these seats now and that they do the work and they do the good work. And, you know, it can get tiring. I think I'm sure you get tired and exhausted. And sometimes like, why are we even talking about what it means to be a woman? Like, what does it matter? Like, honestly, it's like, I'm just, I'm a director producer. I tell stories, but there is, there is an importance of acknowledging. Yes. You know, we are female storytellers. It does matter because honestly, there are some young women out there that probably don't even know that 
you can be a female and tell stories about football players, you know, like there's, that's a reality. So there needs to be representation and we need to continue to bring awareness to it and stuff. But yeah, I hope one day we get to a point where it is just a little bit more normalized. Of course, when we talk about equality and even equal pay and I mean, transparency, I'm still on so many meetings, you know, that it's like, it is all white, older males that is, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, when you look at the hierarchy, it's like, yeah, there are more and more women, but honestly, they're kind of in the lower tier or the middle tier. But when you get to that high tier, no, they all look very similar and they don't look like us. And so when you look at that, that's to me where we can improve. It's like that senior level across the board, wherever that may be, whether that be at a network, whether that be at an organization, whether that be, you know, at a newspaper or a podcast or whatever, whatever company it may be. It's like there need to be women at the higher level positions where, cause that's where it's a trickle down effect. It's those are the people that are actually in the rooms making the bigger decisions that affect everyone else. And so what I want to see is more women getting to that level. And honestly, the only way you get to that level is if you're put in a position and given an opportunity to show that you can, you know, do that job. And it's just starting to become more and more thing that women are getting more opportunities. But so we're starting to rise up, but it's like, we need to continue to create opportunities for women to show that they are capable and able to, you know, be at the highest level. And at the NFL, I will say, we need to work on that. We need to continue to give women the opportunity to show that they can be VPs. They can be SVPs um, Mm -hmm. because there needs to be more women in those rooms. Um, because those are the rooms when we talk about impact and influence, those are the rooms that are making those really big impactful and influential decisions that affect everyone. And so I would love to see more women getting the opportunity to be in those positions of impact and influence across the board. Can you take us through a day in the life of India, right? Oh my God. Um, I'm running around like crazy person. No, I mean, it's nice in the sense that, like I said, this is my seventh season. So, you know, and you probably know, obviously when you cover team two, it's like there's a cadence to the football season You and you know it now. Um, so there's, you know, when we talk about, there's no off season for us, as you know, but it's like those months between really August and honestly, until we get through the NFL draft at the end of April, it is just nonstop. And then, you know, we have May and June when we do a lot of our, pitching and our development. But I mean, my usual day to day, it's like I dabble in two spaces as a features producer is I have my passion project that I'm working on, which starts with back to our earlier conversation of like finding a good story when I'm passionate about doing the research, then I got to pitch it and then it's got to get greenlit. And once it gets greenlit, then it's on me to then work with our production management team and our creative team to then be like, how do I want to tell this story? And then laying and mapping it all out all the way through post and then delivery, whether that it's airing on NFL network, our social and digital channels. And so there's one, that's one side of my job where I'm completely a creative and part of my job is completely being a creative. And I tell probably about mm, anywhere from like five to six bigger features every year. And then when I, simultaneously what I'm working on is I now manage and oversee a lot of our story producers who I'm trying to help find their voice. And so there are, there's the hall of fame. So I oversee all of our hall of fame features throughout the calendar year, game day morning, which is our flagship Sunday morning pregame show. I'm in charge of all the features on our Sunday show. And so 
that entails like the sit down interviews you see, you know, with Kurt Warner and Jalen Hurts. And so I no longer am actually the ones out in the field producing them. I'm managing a team that is now out there producing them. Um, so my job is twofold in the sense that I'm still very much so creative working on the longer form features. And then I'm managing a team of producers, directors that are doing these other areas or temples that I help oversee. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of watching links, you know, it's a lot of giving notes, um, and getting, you know, these features to the point where obviously they're good to go and we can, you know, get them out. And so in total, we probably do about 150 features in our, on our team in a year, um, which is a lot because we are a very small but mighty team, but it ranges anywhere from, you know, 90 second vignettes to, like I said, 60 minute Ukraine doc. Um, so it's kind of, we cover everything as the features department. And so I kind of am tapped with two things and being a creative and telling my stories that I'm passionate about and being completely in that space and then managing a team of creatives to go and tell other features for the team. For the network. That is a, that's very, very full. Uh-huh. That's a very full day and a very full schedule. And I'm really glad you went through all that because it's one of the things in this podcast that I really want people to understand is when we talk about hard work and what, what it takes, it's a lot of work and it's, mm-hmm. it is fun and we have amazing jobs but most people, most people see the finished product and don't see everything that goes into it. So it's important, I think, to go through all of that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yes. No, I mean, it doesn't stop. And that's why it's important to also have your boundaries and, you know, know when to, you know, not respond to the email and not, you know, because it doesn't stop. And I think that's something that I think you and I both know if you're going to work in sports, I think I hear a lot. like, well, I love sports. And it's like, I'm sorry. Loving sports is not enough. It will not be enough to get you through this. You have to be passionate about the work that you're doing because it is kind of ingrained in who you are because it's 24 seven. Um, and so that's a huge element of working in the sports industry is that it is nonstop. It's all the time. It is, it is nonstop. And I'm glad that you did bring up boundaries because we all have to find the boundaries that work for us. And you know, when, when we can have those, like I know for me and probably for you too, during the season, it's harder to have those boundaries. And that's, but that's part of it. Your life is not going to be balanced every single day. It's balanced over time and how you make it work for you. So I think that's an important thing as well. Yes. And that it's okay to have boundaries. It's important. You don't become resentful of the job that you fell in love with. Um, I think that's really important because you seem very passionate about what you do and I'm very passionate about what I do, but you see if you work constantly, you know, you become resentful because you give up other things or sacrifice included. And if you don't figure that, see that sooner than later, you become resentful of the thing you fell in love with. And I just refuse to become that person. So I recognize having boundaries has allowed me to sustain this a little bit more and then keep it enjoyable as well. And that is really, really important and something that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. And you're right. It, it's having those times to recharge, which will make you better at your job and yes. still make it make you love your job. Yes. That is important. Uh, this has been amazing. I just appreciate your openness and your candor and everything you've shared with us. I, I can't let you go yet, though, because we have to do five fun facts. And my listeners know this, but this is something I started with the Fortnite players. And it's great. They go on camera and they tell me five things about them that you would not otherwise know. But on this podcast, 
we ask everybody the same five questions every week, which has been super cool because even with those same five questions, we get such different answers. So if you're ready, yeah, we will do five fun facts with India, right? Let's do it. All right, India, what is your favorite moment in sports? It was taking my 13-year-old brother to Super Bowl 56 uh, with the Rams and the Bengals and just being able to show him my world and see something that we take for granted. I think working in this space through the eyes of a 13-year-old boy was uh, a memory I'll never forget. That's amazing. What is your life motto? (laughs) That's a funny one. Um, Grow and heal, baby. Grow and heal. I love that. I like grow and heal. That's a good one. What is your go-to workout? uh, Matt Pilates. You can do 10 minutes, you can do 40 minutes, but honestly, you only need 10 minutes and being consistent is kind of all I, it's all I really need. Just moving your body, uh, makes me feel better. Your go-to coffee order. Oh yeah. Black coffee. I'm one of those now. I'm proud. I'm proud of that. Love it. And a book every woman should read. Oh God. Um, Becoming with Michelle Obama is inspirational and just seeing, you know, through her lens, what she went through, I think was, is very a powerful message, you know, cause I think obviously as the first lady, you, you feel like you take a back seat, but hearing kind of all that she's done and she's, you know, a force without her husband, I think is a good reminder to women that you are a force. And then also, uh, she said just the sexual harassment story on Harvey Weinstein, I think is powerful just because it was, you know, broken down by two women, you know, journalists at the New York times and just, that whole story and narrative and, you know, the courage it takes to tell that story, I think is a reminder of having courage as women is important as you go through your career. Thank you so much, India. Please let everyone know where they can find you. (laughs) Where can you find me? Um, (laughs) Yes, I am on Instagram at India underscore right with a W Facebook um, LinkedIn as well under India, right as well. And I don't have a Twitter. So I'm one of those. I'm not a Twitter person, but that is where I'm at. You can find my work at on NFL.com slash 360. Fantastic. And you, you guys like what you heard, which I know that you did. Please give us a five-star rating and a super spectacular review. You can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler our brand at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online, And with that, I'll talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.